Now, uh, Jesus uh, launched his public ministry. You'll know we've been going through this series, if you've been tracking with us, with these um, amazing words from Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed. That's the bit we're particularly focusing on this morning, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to release the oppressed. I don't know whether you clocked even in our prayers and stuff this morning, and as Christine was leading, some of the the language that was used. So in our prayers, Simon said something like this. He said, deliver us from the hatred that can bind us. Deliver us from the hatred that can bind us. Christine said, I don't know about you, but I long for greater freedom. Jesus said he came to set the oppressed free. Uh, Earlier on this week, I um, had the great privilege of spending 24 hours on retreat with a bunch of other church leaders. Um, We've been invited the last couple of years, but we haven't been able to go um, because of kids and stuff, and we managed to get my parents down to look after them for 24 hours, and so Michelle and I were able to go. Even as we were leaving, they were becoming unwell, and as we were pulling up to the Chiswick roundabout, um, we got a call from Ava's school saying, Ava's got a temperature, could you come in and get her? So I sped up and accelerated, and um, said, so just call mum and dad, that's why they're here. Um, and, um, but, but you know what, as it happened, I did think, I did think, I wonder whether these things happen at these times, because the enemy doesn't want Michelle and I to go away on a retreat for 24 hours. Uh, when we got there, and we gathered in the meeting room for our first gathering, we began to worship. The person who was leading the weekend, uh, the, the day, said, um, I just want us to pray. I don't know what's been going on in this hotel room, this meeting room in the past. I don't know what good or bad things have happened in here. I want us to pray that in this room, Jesus would reign and clear house, as it were, of anything that might not be of God spiritually in this place. And so we all prayed because we were acknowledging that whilst it was just a room in a hotel, that there might be a spiritual dimension to what was going on there. God has made us as human beings as physical, as social beings, with minds, psychology, but also he's made us spiritual. And when Jesus walks on the earth in all his um, humility, but also his glory, he encounters sickness, which he heals. He also encounters the demonic, and he casts that out. Uh, For some people, they will look at some of these passages in the New Testament, make them terribly nervous to talk about the demonic. And I can understand that. I can totally understand that. The supernatural naturally makes the natural a bit nervous. I get that. And um, uh, uh, some people will try and qualify some of the amount of demons that we seem to see Jesus casting out. And they'll try and qualify and say, well, back in those days, of course, they they were a bit more superstitious than maybe we were. And they thought, you know, anything was a a demon. Um, uh, uh, Much cleverer people than me, other commentators, though, have refuted that and come back, no, when, when it's a fever, Jesus calls it a fever. When it's just blindness, he just calls it blindness. When it's sickness, he just calls it sickness. When someone's dead, he raises them to life. He doesn't cast out a demon. But when he does come across a demonic, he can see that. He has eyes to see that. We are multidimensional beings, and we live in a multidimensional world. Uh, One um, uh, of my favorite quotes from a favorite film of mine, The Usual Suspects, um, there's a quote. Anybody else seen The Usual Suspects a bit? Oh, no, great film. 
brilliant twist at the end. Um, but there's a character in there. He says, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Because then he can get in there, behind the scenes, under enemy lines. And um, uh, Richard um, was speaking at St. Albans two or three weeks ago when there was another sort of demonic, um, a demon being cast out. You might remember, Jesus just says, be quiet, get out, that one. With just complete calm and authority. Be quiet, shut it, jog on. This is the other translation of that passage. And... um, and uh, he, he, um, he took the opportunity to, to embarrass me, which he, he does from time to time. I don't know, actually, once I do leave, who's going to be the butt of his jokes. I'll be very interested to find out. But he pulled me out from the congregation. He said, um, he said in the Bible, often we see these demonic encounters. It's a bit like this, he says. It's a bit like, rah, and it's sort of quite dramatic. And he did this like alien thing under my jumper. And I just sort of thought, what is he doing? Um, and then he said, but actually, I think nowadays for us in sort of, polite Chiswick Western society, it might be a bit more like this. And he says, this is someone's heart. And it's not as dramatic, but slowly something is crushing your heart. And it might be an addiction to pornography. It might be um, bitterness, unforgiveness for someone who did something awful to you in the past. and You just can't let go of that. It might be that you, you are struggling with um, alcoholism or some other addiction, and you've tried lots of other things. It's helped for a while, but actually it feels like it's coming back and you're being slowly crushed. And it's not as dramatic, but it's just as demonic. Does that make sense? And um, if you're anything like me, there will be things in your life where you're not as free as you'd like to be. It might be that there are addictions. It might be that there's undue stress and anxiety. As I was praying about this, it, uh, these, some of these words came to mind. A bitterness over past unforgiveness. Perfectionism came up. Temptations that we seem unable to decisively deal with. Relationship issues. Things where we are not as free as we'd like to be. If you're anything like me, that might chime for you. Here's another quick diagnostic for you, if you haven't got something in mind already. If you were to be vulnerable and brave enough to come up here at the end of the service for prayer ministry, what is the thing you'd least like to have to reveal and get prayer for? Oh, don't go there. That's buried deep. I couldn't, I couldn't reveal that. That might be where God wants to bring freedom for you. Nobody's going to force you to come up and admit to that. But some of you, I can tell, have gone, oh, it would be that. Okay. Just leave it there for the moment. So, the good news for us is that we're not the first people to feel like that. We won't be the last. In biblical times, there were two, and Jesus has a response to that and can speak to that sense of oppression or lack of freedom. And if there's, um, if there's almost one verse that I'd like to proclaim over us, for us to remember, I'm going to get you to say it back to me. Um, I said it in the prayer at the start. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Can you say that back to me in a moment? I'll say it one more time to you and then you say it back to me. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Can you say that back to me? Brilliant. Say it to the person to the left and right of you. The sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Um, that's, a, that's a 
just a verse, not from our scripture, but entirely on theme that I thought God gave to me. And then um, and there's a phrase which might help you remember it. There's two phrases, actually. One for everybody and the other one just for people who think like me. Um, just a few weirdos out there. So um, uh, the one phrase that I want us to remember is, um, unless you are possessed by Jesus, you'll be possessed by something else. Unless you are possessed by Jesus, you will be possessed by something else. Can you say that with me? Unless you are possessed by Jesus, you will be possessed by something else. We'll come back to that. And uh, maybe, maybe the, the Dennis will like this one. Um, this is the subtext. If that were the header, this is, this is the subtext. No one robs Batman. No one robs Batman. You'll remember that, won't you, Dennis? And that's where this is going to come in, because I have Batman. But we'll, we'll, wait, we'll wait for that. No one robs Batman. Um, we'll wait for that. We'll come back to that. So in this passage, glance down at the Bible again with me. We're going to um, walk through it. Just make sure that we understand it and then draw out some application for us today. So first of all, um, Jesus um, does this amazing miracle. Um, he uh, confronts Beelzebub in this demon, in this man. Um, he casts him out, and when he does, this mute man can speak. And it's astonishing. Everybody thinks it's amazing, but not quite everybody, because there are some people there who don't and who do not like this. Uh, other um, equivalent passages in other Gospels say it's the Pharisees. They often get, um, they're often the ones stirring up a bit of trouble. And they say it's by the devil's power, basically. It's by Satan's power that he's casting him out. It is, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations where you've started just a discussion, a debate about something. You've, you've weighed in with an opinion, and then you realize that there's someone else in the room who knows far more about it than you, and uh, you're kind of in trouble. Has anybody ever been in one of those situations? And you feel awkward, and you're trying to back out, and you're like, they're much cleverer than me. They know what they're talking about, and it's a bit awkward. This is, this is that situation for, for the Pharisees. They're like, well, it's by Beelzebub that he's casting out Beelzebub. And Jesus just um, calmly says, well, that, that, that really doesn't make sense, does it? That would be a massive, um, my language would be, that would be a massive own goal. Like, why would Satan cast out Satan? He'd be shooting himself in the foot. That's another phrase which we might use. Jesus says um, this in verse 18. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this to you because you claim I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, this is the second point that kind of kicks them into touch. By whom do your followers drive them out? Ah, so there are other ways in which some of this demonic power, some of these things can be cast out of people. In fact, there's some Pharisees that are doing just that. It's like this elite group of Pharisees who are doing exorcisms, it seems. And so Jesus is saying, number one, it doesn't make sense, that argument, because that would be a massive own goal. How could that kingdom stand? And by the way, um, if that's how I'm doing it, what about your guys? Is that how they're doing it? Of course, they'd never want to admit that. They'd never want to say that. So Jesus realizes that he's put them in a spot, and he just says, he says this, but, but, verse 20, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Then the kingdom of God has come to you. And then um, a bit later down, from verse 24, he tells, uh, I, I struggled to understand this for quite a while. I, I hope I understand it a bit more, and I can share that with you this morning. But from verse 24, he tells a slightly bizarre story, doesn't he? about a, a demon being cast out and then going out to arid places seeking rest but does not find it. By the way, I think there is a, this isn't the main point of the teaching, but I think there is something there. When Jesus says it, 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 the evil spirit goes out to arid places seeking rest, I think we are meant to, there is a, 
understanding in that culture, the arid and the desert and the wilderness was the place of the enemies and was the place of darkness, was the place of death and desert, where wild animals were. And um, I think we are meant to understand, just see that as a picture, that the purpose of these demonic powers is to bring death and destruction and nothing else. But they don't stay there. They find rest in a human soul they're trying to destroy. It doesn't rest there. And then he comes back, this um, demonic power, and says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. You know, there are all sorts of ways in which we can try and get our life in order or deal with some of the oppression in our lives. You can, and it can be a very good thing if you're addicted to alcohol, for example. I used that example earlier. You can go on an Alcoholics Anonymous course, and that can do you a world of good and really help you to get free of that. I, I would not recommend that. There are other ways in which you can deal with it. You can get really self-disciplined in New Year's with your New Year's resolutions, and you can deal with some stuff. But what Jesus is saying, he's saying there are other ways in which you can clear house. You can deal with some of this stuff. But unless you do it with me, you might well end up worse than when you begun. Unless what you put in that vacuum is me and my truth about you and my power, you could be in more trouble than when you first begun. I'll give one small illustration. It's not quite analogous, but you'll see, I think, what I mean. Imagine as a child... Um, eight-year-old boy, eight-year-old girl, crying. And someone comes along to you and says, um, don't cry, stiff upper lip, pull yourself together. You might actually be able to, the eight-year-old boy might actually be able to do that in that instance. Okay, I'm going to be okay. Helps, clears house. But if Jesus isn't put in there, Um, down the line, that person becomes totally incapable of vulnerability. Because, of course, you never show your emotions. You never cry. They become totally incapable of having a real relationship with anyone. I'm painting an extreme. But can you see what I mean? That there can be a parallel there? And actually, the condition of that person as they grow up would be far worse than actually the child's issue at the start. Uh, what Jesus is saying is that there can be all sorts of issues and oppression and different things in our lives where we don't feel free. That thing that you least want to admit in prayer ministry. Uh, represented by this guy, this pirate. He's actually a fairly friendly looking pirate, to be fair to him. But he's representing Beelzebub um, for us this morning. And um, uh, you can get rid of him in a variety of different ways. And the Pharisees were doing it. And self-help books will tell you they can sort it all out. And they can get... Um, but unless you replace them with Batman, (laughs) you are in danger of attack. And he can go and get his mates, and they can come back, and they can take over the clean-swept house because there's actually nobody there to protect it anymore. But if you do invite Jesus to possess you, 
to possess your house. It's one of those strange situations where you never anticipate you're going to use Batman in a Jesus illustration and talk until it actually happens. And you go, oh, how did that happen? Um, We didn't have a Superman at home, but my middle daughter's into Batman, so that's how Batman showed up. The point is that if Batman is guarding your house, if he lives in you, if you are possessed by Jesus, you will not be possessed by anything else. No one robs Batman. You work out that's Batman's house, you stay well clear, go to the one down the road. (laughs) No one robs Batman. Unless you are possessed by Jesus, you will be possessed by something else. If you are possessed by Jesus, you won't be. Do you see? It's a bit like um, Jesus in this passage is the strong man who throws them out, um, the, the demon, that otherwise might seem quite strong. Otherwise, look at verse 21. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusts and divides up the spoils. For some of us, some of our hearts, some of these bitterness, some of these issues, some of these addictions will feel very entrenched and like they are well guarded. We don't bring them out into the public light. They continue to hold us. But the news is, Jesus is a lot, lot stronger. It's a bit like um, Daffod. Daffod over there. It's a bit like Daffod. Daffod, can you stand up? Now, if I were to try and take on Daffod, you can sit down. They get the point. Um, I'm not actually going to. Wouldn't end well. Um, Jesus is Daffod. Jesus is Batman. He is the strong man that can get rid of whatever oppression, whatever is oppressing you and holding you and gripping you. And if you invite, not Daffod, but Jesus to live in your life, to take possession of your life, you will be protected from attacks in the future. Not that the enemy won't ever try and have a go before he realizes that Jesus is in residence, but that you will have Jesus in your life and protecting you. As I come into land... What does this mean in terms of application for us? And what does it look like for us if we were to take this on board and, and, and this were to be more real in our community? Well, for, for each of us, what it looks like is perhaps, you know that thing that you didn't want to come up for for prayer ministry, that thing you didn't want to deal with? It might be finding someone in the church or in a small group who you could chat to that about that, about, and try and get free from that. Because if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And he's so much stronger, and he's so good. But it will probably mean that you will need to be more vulnerable. That you'll need to have the maturity (laughs) to be able to say, Whilst I look like I've got a beautiful thatched house and all is well, actually, there's still this issue, and I know, and God knows, and I'm going to be mature enough, vulnerable enough to ask for help and ask for you to pray. What it looks like for us if we were able to do that, what would it look like? What difference would it make to our community? Well, as I was praying about this, I couldn't help but go back to one Bible passage and some verses, some of my favorite verses. Um, 
uh, which we looked at when we were looking at Romans, uh, what it would look like for, for us as a community, for individuals and in a church community who did this more, is we would look a lot stronger, a lot more resilient, that we would shine a lot brighter. Not that we would be without attack and without some issues, but we would have a renewed confidence in our Savior because he would have taken possession of us and be living in our hearts. We would be able to join with Paul with this kind of confidence, saying this, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if something in your heart says, I'd love to be able to say that with greater conviction, then God wants to minister to you this morning.